Some lovely ambient background noise. It's raining. It's pouring. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's Does, coming down. James, do you snore? I don't think so. Oh, James. How would he know? Yeah, you right. Set a camera up on your cell phone tonight. We want to hear what you... You know what? That'd probably be horrific <laughs> to see like what happens when you're asleep. You're probably like, like, you probably like sit up and your head spins around and all kinds of stuff. And you just like go back to bed. Goodness. <laughs> well, well, you guys, welcome to the 13th floor podcast. <laughs> I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we, today we're talking about the Philadelphia experiment. But you guys... Life has just been crazy lately, hasn't it? Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. raining. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> James apparently can evaporate into thin air when he sleeps. Ooh, I'd love, you know, I'd love to see if James can. What's it called when you come out of your body? Astral projection? Astral, yeah. I wonder if James could catch astral projection on camera. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Catch himself Dr. Stranger around. Yeah, James, where would you where would you go if you could astral project at any time? He'd, he'd go possess one of those right. spiders and see what it's like to be in there. <laughs> oh my god. What What's sad is that's probably true. It's probably true, but it's also like James, what if you got stuck in your spider's body and nobody knew that you were actually James inside pumpkin? You know what I mean? Oh man. Yeah. That sounds like a nineteen fifty six uh Horror movie, yeah, or like a like a really brief like an episode of Twilight just, Zone. Mantula. <laughs> I just pictured James in Pumpkin's little terrarium, and he can see he see his body sleeping on the bed across the room. Wait, what was the, what was the movie? Would you say the movie's name was called Mantula? I was, gonna, I was getting ready to say it, but I was like, I love it, I love it. Well, Mantula. I think we're off to a great start for this episode. I think um, that was a great icebreaker. That, yeah, that was a pretty good icebreaker. <laughs> James, my question for you is if you could astral project into any of your spider's bodies, which specific <laughs> one would you choose? Uh, wow. Uh, Noir, just because if I did get stuck, she has the longest lifespan. So there we go. Jeez. But do you want to live that long while trapped into that one spot? Ooh, that's actually a good point. Mm. Man, I don't know. Well, how about you guys? <laughs> I would, I would totally like to go into Chartreuse's body. <laughs> oh, there we go. I, I, did, I thought we just meant anywhere. I didn't anyway, know. We no. from my spiders. If I could oh, go wow. anywhere, hmm, where would I astral project? Alex, you go. You go. I'm All right. About I would go into the spider's <laughs> cage that had the eat the most flimsy lid on it, so I would at least have a chance to escape. Also chartreuse then, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be chartreuse. I would escape. I would find another tarantula out in the wild, and we would be an invasive species and just take over the entire area with tarantula wow. babies. Wow. No, I was about to say that I would want to astral project <laughs> to Mexico during the monarch butterfly Oh, yeah, I want to see that. Would you be a monarch butterfly so you just like die instantly? No, I would just <laughs> sit in a tree and watch from uh, afar. That would be me. That would be fun. Uh, I'd just escape. Yeah, Alex would just <laughs> become chartreuse wow. and escape. Goodness. So that's our answers, you guys. Well, wow, really in depth. You guys <laughs> should follow us on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. And mm-hmm. you guys can answer this question if you want. I'm going to ask when this episode comes out if you could astral project anywhere, where would it be? And you don't have to pick one of James's spiders, but it is a preferable answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post a picture of each one of the spiders so you can have your choice. 
but so I, I mean, you guys, that was that was it. Is yeah, there anything else? One. Well, before we get started, how about we give our shout outs to all of yeah. our yeah, oh, yeah followers? For sure. Oops, I typed my password wrong, so I'm going to have to do that again. This is the longest <laughs> passwords ever that are just complete nonsense. So Listen, I'm impressed you never get it right. Why don't you stop being so It's a good thing, though. We're on microphone right it now. Means, okay. It means you're very <laughs> secure. All right, you guys. Mm. We've had a lot of downloads this week. This week has just been kind of nuts. Mm. Like nuts, let me tell you. So today we're going to give a shout out to... Our listeners in India. Oh, we've got some listeners in India. What's up, India? Hey. Yeah, here in the states, though, man, Ohio and Indiana are still battling it out, man. Nice. Yeah. Wow, tied. Hey, one of y'all's got to step up your game so you can get the pro- proper shout out. Yeah, they're yeah. both tied. They're both tied right now for <laughs> downloads. So Indiana, Ohio, but I'm also gonna give some high fives to all of our listeners in Pennsylvania. Oh, lots of downloads there, which is beautiful. It always makes me happy, and I want to go to Pennsylvania. Maybe that's where I would astral project. You would astral project to Pennsylvania? (laughs) I would go. (laughs) I would go to uh, the Liberty Bell. That's in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I go. I would go see the Liberty Bell. I've seen it once, but at this current point in time, that is the month six of the date 23 of 2020, I would not go to any major cities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, no one would be there. <laughs> not the Liberty Bell. Yeah. Well, you would be, you know, just a, you would be a disembodied consciousness. I don't think anybody can mess with you. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. I just meant as, for travel. Sorry. Yeah, oh. no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. oh, gotcha. But no, if I was a disembodied I'm telling you, possession would be my thing. Was, if I was a oh my goodness, you guys! What? You, your mom doesn't do anything horrible. I'd just be like, okay. <laughs> it's like you learned about this from Beetlejuice, though. <laughs> it is. Well, listen, listen, James. Alex's mom just started listening to the show, uh. so. Your mom's gonna love to hear that <laughs> possession would be your thing. Well, it wouldn't be. Like, it wouldn't. <laughs> okay. He he's been like this all day, James. He's been in a weird mood. Uh. Earlier, <laughs> I was sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, I hear him start doing his laugh with uh, right. in the other room. Mm. So he's been in a weird headspace today. All right, sorry, listeners, for all of that. <laughs> um, Thanks for apologizing, to everybody, for me. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about the Philadelphia experiment? And this topic was submitted to us on Instagram by one of our followers, yeah. uh, Slavic. So thank you, Slavic, again for submitting this, and yeah. thank you to everybody who submitted topics this week because we have gotten this vase time. is getting big. It's getting big. Maybe I'll post <laughs> well, a picture of all of our. Uh, the vase is our, staying the same size. It's the same size, but it's like the almost of paper inside of it is pretty. Big. Yeah. <laughs> So, are you guys ready to talk about the Philadelphia experiment? Yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about this for Slavic. So here we go, you guys. I'm gonna start us off today, okay? And I'm gonna be going over just like the general story of what happened in the Philadelphia experiment, and then you guys can. I know you guys are both gonna be taking sides. Alex is taking the "this is why it didn't happen" point, and James is taking the "this is why it did happen" point. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna talk about what happened during the Philadelphia experiment, and I want to get some reverb on that so the philadelphia experiment (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so let's step back in time you guys all the way to 1943 
July 22nd to be exact. This is the day that the first part of the Philadelphia experiment allegedly took place, or so says this guy named Carl Alunde. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say his last name? But I'll talk about how he plays into this whole thing in a little while. But one common misconception, a very understandable misconception, is that the Philadelphia experiment was just a single experiment, but it was actually two experiments. Hmm. Yeah. One incident took place in the summer of 1943 and the other in the fall of 1943, hmm. per IO9 and Gizmodo. Okay. Yeah. But let's talk about what these experiments were aiming to achieve, shall we? That's why we're here. What the heck was the U.S. government testing? Uh, who knows? I'm going to tell you. They were allegedly trying to see if they could make things invisible by using something called the unified field theory, which has to do with physics. Albert Einstein apparently came up with the term unified field theory. So, you know, it's just going to go straight over my head. So I'm not even going to jump into that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to explain it because I wouldn't do it justice. <laughs> so the military was like, okay, if we can use this theory to bend light around things with refraction, maybe we can make things invisible. Mm. Say like a Navy ship. Ooh. <laughs> Enter the USS Eldridge. The USS Eldridge was a Navy destroyer escort ship that was said to be where these experiments took place. In Philadelphia, Philadelphia Naval Shipyard to be exact. So most of the accounts of this story claim that the ship was fitted with all this special equipment. And the experiments allegedly began on July 22nd, 1943. And the Navy was like, let's do this. Let's manipulate these electromagnetic fields. And so they did, you guys. And you guys know what allegedly happened? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The ship became invisible. No. Oh. So I guess they kind of, they were successful, maybe? Kind of. But invisibility seems like a pretty handy thing, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. Especially in war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in war. But I imagine all the onlookers, like, if you, if I was at the Navy shipyard and I'm not on the ship and I'm watching the experiment from afar, I imagine that when the ship disappeared, everyone started rubbing their eyes really hard like they do in the cartoons. I was like, did I just do that? <laughs> So that's my picture. And they blink really big. like Yeah, exactly. Whoa, whoa. Where'd it go? <laughs> so some accounts claim that when the ship disappeared, it was replaced with this eerie green-blue fog. Mm. But then, poof, the ship reappeared. And everyone was like, oh, there it is. And the ship seemed normal, or so they thought. A lot of the sailors reportedly said they felt nauseous afterwards. Which is troublesome, but maybe that's just what invisibility does to you. I don't know. I've never been truly invisible. so. Mm-hmm. But even worse than that feeling, a little icky-sicky, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even worse, some sailors were said to have been fused into the metal of the ship. Mm-hmm. Like their hands were like through the metal and they're just like, ah! Mm-hmm. And some of them apparently like fell through floors to like lower decks and, uh, no, thank you. I don't like that one bit. But some of the sailors also apparently went insane. Their brains were boggled, which I would assume because of invisibility. Or maybe <laughs> it was the fact that some of their colleagues apparently rematerialized with their bodies inside out. Oof. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> if I saw that, I'm sorry, if I saw that in real life, I would go insane. Yeah. But... 
let's hop on into the second experiment, okay? After the first experiment, I guess the Navy was like, you know what? I think we need to tinker with this equipment a little bit. Something's not right. So they fixed it up. They recalibrated everything. And then they supposedly tried the experiment again on October 28th, 1943. But again, you guys, something went wrong, Mm. as it always does. I turned on the equipment, and then, zap, a flash of blue light. And then look. everybody looks around, they're like, uh-oh, Toto, I don't think we're in Philadelphia anymore. <laughs> or I guess if, if I were Judy Garland, uh-oh, Toto, doesn't it look like we're in Philadelphia anymore? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another ship, the SS Andrew, uh, how do you say that? Furuseth. Furuseth, yeah. Furuseth was supposedly in the shipyard in Philadelphia, and they saw all of this happen. And all the sailors in that ship were probably just, you know, minding their own business, drinking their five-cent Coca-Colas and listening to the latest Bing Crosby jams on the radio. Uh, Sure. And then also working because, you know, war. (laughs) Because, you know, war. (laughs) They apparently (laughs) spotted the Elridge disappear, and they're just like, bye. And then poof, hey, it's back again. Mm. Weird, right? But uh, when the elders disappeared, they say that it was teleported to Newfork, Norfolk. Norfolk, Virginia, of all places. And another odd claim is that the ship went back in time. I read in some places it was like 10 minutes and then a couple of other places I read it was like just a couple of seconds. So who who the heck knows? Hmm. But my question, and maybe one of you guys will answer this, is how did they know that it went to Norfolk, Virginia, of all places? Because they told them afterwards. And people saw him show up. Uh, I, I just don't know. Like, if I were in a ship and all of a sudden I'm like in a different place, I'm like, oh, like. Well, I think there was another place in Virginia where there was people, or like another military thing, right? I don't know. For I some don't reason, know. I thought some military people were like, oh, hey, John. Oh, hi, John. I have no idea. <laughs> I've heard the same thing that there were eyewitnesses to the event. Well, there there were a couple. I mean, according to this, and I'm gonna tell you about one right now, you guys. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, Carl Lalande. Mm-hmm. Well, Carla. he was apparently on the SS Andrew Fruseth, and he witnessed the elders disappear and then reappear. So he went and told. This other guy, an astronomer slash author named Morris K. Jessup about his experience. And Jessup, he typically wrote about UFOs and alien encounters and stuff like that, which was all the rage in the 1950s, if you'll remember. But old Carl reached out to Jessup under a couple of different names, I will add, including Carlos Miguel Allende and Carl M. Allen. And he was like, listen, Jessup, I got this crazy story. And then Jessup was like, yeah, that sounds crazy, dude. Probably not real. And so he kind of wrote off... Allende as just kind of like a crazy man that is until 1957. Okay. According to an article that I found on all that's interesting.com, Jessup received an odd letter from the office of Naval research. Apparently someone had sent them a copy of Jessup's book and Jessup had this mildly successful is what I read on some sites book called the case of the UFO. But in it were all of these little notes that were written by three unique sets of handwriting, including one that was said to be from an alien, you guys. Nice. A real alien. The notes were all about alien tech and just like physics, I guess, on other planets. I don't know. I didn't read it. But they mentioned the experiments that took place on the USS Eldridge throughout the notes in the book. So Jessup hears this and he's immediately like, 
Oh, I bet this was from Alunde. <laughs> and I read also, I read also that based upon like the capitalization and the way that some of the words were written, they saw it and they just thought this probably wasn't written by a native English speaker. For some reason that I could not find, the Office of Naval Research apparently published 127 copies of the book with the annotations. And I think it's called like the, the Vero annotations version or something like mm-hmm. that because Vero Publishing published them. So that's how we kind of know about the so-called Philadelphia experiment. And over the years, it really became quite a prominent conspiracy theory. And it kind of gained a lot of, a lot of listeners, a lot of followers. And two movies were made about it, you guys. Both titled The Philadelphia Experiment. And the first came out in 1984. And Alex and I watched the trailer, James. It was literally probably one of the longest trailers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just a whole movie. It actually has a sequel too called The Philadelphia Experiment 2. Does it really? Yeah, it's got all different actors. But well, yeah. I did not see that one, but the uh, the movie was actually inspired by a book that was written a, a few years prior about the Philadelphia Experiment, and it claimed to be a factual book by Charles Burlitz. You guys remember him? I'm, I know that I've spoken about him before. I feel like it was in our Bermuda Triangle yeah, episode. Yeah, I think so. But. The, uh, the 1984 movie, it has 6.1 stars out of 10 on IMDb if you guys want to go watch it. Hmm. And then the other film was released by the Sci-Fi Channel in 2012. And it has 4.1 stars, so I don't know if it's worth watching. <laughs> Before I pass the torch off to you guys, one other person claims to have been a witness to all of the Philadelphia Experiment hubbub. Do you guys remember Alfred Bilek? Bilek? Sounds familiar. I've spoken yeah. about him before. Yeah, like, I feel like that was in our, maybe our Montauk episode. Yeah. But in 1988, after seeing the movie, he claimed that he was actually on the USS uh, Eldridge during the experiments. So he claims that it is also truthful. And I feel like I read somewhere that he said that he thinks that the 1984 movie version was accurate. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. It's a little skeptical, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything that I read about the uh, the 1984 version was that it was very elaborate. Like it was very, it it took some liberties. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Alfred Bielek, he he did also claim to have been brainwashed, and that's mm-hmm. why he says like after he saw the movie, all of the memories came flooding back to him. Mm-hmm. And there were other claims that the sailors on the ship had been brainwashed to keep everything that happened secret. Because it's like you know the Navy doesn't want yeah. people to know that. They carried out this experiment. People came back fused to a ship. Uh, Loose lips sink invisible ships. (laughs) Ooh, I think with that, that's a good way to end my segment, James. (laughs) Because, James, you're going next, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I'm making arguments as for why it's plausible that it happened. And there's probably going to be a little back and forth between me and Alex just because, you know, new information will be brought up by one and then the other. So feel free to jump in at any time. Your Um, segment's over. My turn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that I think is most interesting about this entire story is Carlos Allende himself. Because if he's lying, because that's where it all comes from. So if he's lying, Mm -hmm. it's false. If he's telling the truth, it's true. And that's where things get pretty dang complicated. First of all, Somebody did a little bit of of research into Carlos Miguel Allende, and right off the bat, 
his name really isn't uh, Carlos Miguel Allende. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a, a red flag right there that maybe something's a little bit up. Uh, his actual yeah. name is Carl Allen. So Carl M. Allen. Yeah. Which, to be fair, if, you, if you're going to come up with a pseudonym or an alias, I wouldn't really call that dishonest. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Richard? Right. Oh, please, call me Rick. Like, it's not that <laughs> far removed from his original name. But one of the arguments against this entire thing is that, well, this guy was never on the ship. Well, we do know that he actually has service records. Uh, for the ship. And we know that the service records, as well as a number of other records involving the Eldridge, have been destroyed for confidential reasons. So that's a bit of a concern. Yeah. Uh, He was in the uh, Coast Guard first, and he had this letter marked Z416175, which is what he listed in the postscript of a letter that he sent. And so his service number, upon looking at it, yeah, yeah, he actually did serve on that ship. That part we do know is true. One other thing, though, to point out about this guy, he was known by everyone, by everyone to, I don't want to say con people, because that implies that, you know, he gained something out of it. See, that's the thing. If if mm-hmm. the, the book is a con, then he gained something out of it. But a lot of members of his immediate family wouldn't associate him with him later in life because he was he loved to prank people so hard and heavy that he was just alienating people. They were scared Ooh. of him. Like he would fake heart attacks. He would pretend to be oh. like an antique dealer and, and harass antique stores. <laughs> like he wow. would do some weird, weird attention grabbing stuff. But none of these would he actually gain money into. Additionally, according to his own father, he was a bit of a vagrant because he was so good at alienating people. He never really held down a steady, steady job. He would work places, then he would get uh, fired from the place or quit, and then he would just, you know, wander off to the next thing. But we do know that he was very intelligent. What we don't know is whether or not he actually learned from Einstein himself. But on his. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's quite the claim. However, however, I will say this, his claim has nothing to do with deliberately trying to make a ship invisible. This is what they wanted to do. But according to him, according to him, what had actually happened was it had proven Einstein right about the potential to alter an object's mass and go faster than the speed of light. So his claim isn't that the ship is invisible. He, he never said that it was invisible. What he's claiming, no joke, is that the ship itself has broken the light barrier. And so it's it's just zooming around. Like, we can't Ooh. see it because it's faster than light itself. Uh, huh. he, yeah, he calls it the part of the Einstein tunnel theory. So he's saying that it can go four and a half times the speed of light, and that if the U.S. Navy would just do this again they would verify that you can break the light barrier because it's a repeatable experiment. That's what he's saying. Uh, And a lot of the the details that he brings up is very interesting because it does showcase at least an elementary understanding of really complex physics. Uh, One of the things that he mentions is that if you have an imbalance of particles in mass, it creates 
a uh, obstacle called particle hunger. So in other words, you actually have to add mass to that object in order to maintain that speed. That that's hmm. that could be complete nonsense, but at, at the very least, this guy is he's either a brilliant con artist or a a legitimate article who just happens to be eccentric to the point that it it damages his reputation. Um, and also, bear in mind all the things he's talking about about breaking the light barrier. He said these things on his deathbed, so. You know, there's hmm. at least, at the very least, bare minimum, there's an incentive under those circumstances to be, to some degree, truthful. And I think that's an yeah. interesting idea because, you know, every myth and theory I've heard about the uh, uh, experiment itself has been about creating a field around the, the ship, the Eldridge, Shit. and making it not visible to the naked eye. But what he's claiming is that they accidentally created a way of breaking the light barrier. And so the ship, it's just zigzagging. I'm assuming it's not uh, capable of, of breaking gravity from Earth. So I'm assuming it's just been zipping around the Earth at this four and a half times the speed of light for like 40 years. As you do. Whoa. Yeah. Which you, then talk about a nightmare. Then would come back like super old? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't really know. Uh, the further you are from a source of gravity, the slower time travels. But I don't know how that is affected if you're traveling faster than the speed of light while still tethered to an object of great mass like the Earth. So I'm not sure. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> well, you don't know much, do you, James? <laughs> oh, this, is, this has just got my brain all boggled. Boggled. Mm -hmm. Boggled yeah, for me real. Too. Mm. Well, my... My thing with him is like, what would he have to gain by sending, you know, this little annotated book? Uh, Unless it's just he's a the prankster. Well, well, that's the thing is the fame and the fortune that came with it. It was mostly notoriety, and more importantly, he kept a copy with his parents uh, for sentimental reasons. Like it was something he was proud of. And then when he was on his deathbed, you know, he he just maintained that illusion. So all of those things to me lend credence to. Either uh, as I'll, I'll reiterate again, he was either an eccentric genius who alienated people by being an eccentric weirdo genius, or he was a really, really, really clever confidence man who just happened to have an eclectic enough knowledge to maintain a farce in every field that he dabbled in. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like that being like the ultimate prank? Some people thought that he may have had a mental illness too. Yeah. But I think I think most people thought he was someone that just kind of lived alone and liked to do pranks. Well, I, see, I'm thinking he definitely had something up. The, the question more is what, and did it affect whether he was telling the truth or not? Right. Right. Man, there's definitely some things in question. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, does that mean Alex is ready to hop? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. So this story really got perpetuated because. Literally, no one that wrote about it did their research. Like no one. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's no. dead accurate. Dang. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, I got a historian named Mike Dash. He's the one that called this out, and he said that he said that uh, no one knew the real name of Alinde. And he said after a few phone calls, he found it out. <laughs> so it was clear that no one really tried to figure out who this guy really was. And 
there's also some study of the three different people talking that he wrote on the on Jeff's, Jessup's novel. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's the three different people talking different with different handwritings, three different handwritings, but they had people look at it and they noticed that the phrasing of everything is very similar throughout indicating that one person actually wrote the whole thing. Not that he may, maybe he had somebody write it. Yeah. But he gave them a script and they wrote what he told them to mm-hmm. or something like that. Because all three of the, the way the three different characters speak all kind of sounds like it's all the same character. Okay. Yes. So another explanation is that maybe he overheard things and he didn't understand them. And essentially, there's a process, especially, they still do it, but it really started back in World War II called degaussing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they they did this because of, I think you may have mentioned this, I'm not sure if you did or not. Mine. But they did this to demagnetize ships yeah. so that magnetic mines and magnetic torpedoes be a little less inclined to blow them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during this process, it... When people are talking about it, maybe on shore leave or like they're sitting around talking about it, I would imagine the word invisible probably comes up a lot because it mm-hmm. makes the ship invisible to mines mm-hmm. and essentially invisible because it it reduces that magnetic field so much. Now, it doesn't make it invisible to radar, but it is in, essentially invisible to weapons that are being okay. fired at it. Hmm. Yeah, so... Maybe he was at a bar. He hears someone talk about this new invisible ship or undetectable ship. And he starts making jumps into his conclusions. And they even think that it's possible that he got the teleportation aspect of it. Maybe from, they said that the destroyer, the USS Timmerman, had a higher frequency generator to create this degaussing process mm-hmm. and that the Corona discharges from it have this bluish green light. It's, it's more of a blue light. Cause you've seen, you know, whatever light arcs between like two different things. Yeah. It's got that blue. Someone could have seen these Corona discharges and reported, you know, something some weird's of, happening. Something weird's happening over there. So, there's a possible explanation for why someone's saying Now, someone also <laughs> tried to use St. Elmo's Fire to explain it. Anytime I see St. Elmo's Fire, I think this is fake. <laughs> <laughs> I, ne- I never take St. Elmo's Fire seriously. Um, another problem with the whole story is that it doesn't really match any sort of timeline that exists. Yeah. It's a little off. The... Uh, so the USS Eldridge was commissioned in August on August 27th, 1943, and it was in port at New York City until September 1943. But the October experiment allegedly took place while the ship was on its first I guess they call it a shakedown cruise. I guess that's when you're your first testing. Testing. Yeah. Uh, to the Bahamas and that doesn't make much sense because that wouldn't put it in that area in October. But mm-hmm. there is a you could explain that with falsified logs. So yeah. that's not really a good argument. Now the ONR says that they never they claim that they never researched radar invisibility, like never. They said this in ninety six. They said they've never investigated radar invisibility. Uh, to that, I say, 
why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They said not 1943 or any other time. So, uh, and the ONR was not established until 1946. But this story has the ONR involved in what, 1943? Mm. Mm. It's a bit of a problem. (laughs) So, there's also one other problem. The USS Eldridge actually was never in Philadelphia. Bum, bum, what? Bum. <laughs> yeah. So whenever they went up to that area, they just docked a little further north in, I believe it's New York. New York. Yeah. So bum, they never bum, actually bum. were docking in Philadelphia. Hmm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> now. I think the one that has the most credence is the misunderstanding. Yeah. You know, a lot of sailors, they're all out together. They're all drinking. They're all saying things they probably shouldn't be saying. They'll have fun. And this is, you know, this is some pretty big science type stuff. You know? Yeah. I could easily see someone misunderstanding it. Right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that difficult to me. That makes the most sense to me. I don't buy his story. There's a lot of inconsistencies in it, but you know, maybe maybe James was right. Maybe uh, maybe he was just driving around so fast we couldn't see it. I mean, I mean, no one else re- recalls seeing this thing, uh, as far as I can tell. Everyone, there was this guy named Edward Dudgeon who was actually an engineer mm-hmm. on the ship in 1943, and he was he was doing all the electrical work to get these teleportation engines going or you know what we call a de- degassing yeah. <laughs> and so essentially he was he was in charge of wrapping all these cords around the ship and just shocking it with his high voltages or reduced the magnetism and he was there for the whole thing and nothing ever happened in 1999 all the sail- sailors that had served on the eldridge got together and they were the ones that were like, yeah, we never docked in Philadelphia. <laughs> they went to Brooklyn, not New York. Oh, yeah, I guess that right. is New York. Yeah, that's still New York. <laughs> Sorry. And so, yeah, they were like, yeah, we never went to Philadelphia. We, were <laughs> we only went to Brooklyn. And the ship's, ship's log confirmed it. Again, it could be falsified. But this is a group of people all agreeing. You know, I you read know. that they all got really annoyed with how many questions they had over the years about, oh, the Philadelphia experiment. They're just like, flim flame. Oh, I'm sure they are. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. The, the captain even said that there were no experiments were ever conducted on this vessel. Yeah, it was Ooh, really but- hard playing devil's advocate for for, for <laughs> <laughs> Like It was slim pickings, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was looking at like what you would have to go on. I was like, man, well, James, James has got enough. And you know what? You did a pretty good job, but mm, turns out, James... You, just, <laughs> you can't degauss this mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will say one thing. He does mention degaussing on his deathbed. He 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 criticizes the uh, the top brass. He's like they thought they were just degaussing it, but really they were going faster than light. But I mean, come on, how do you accidentally do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a discovery. No, I just like. The whole story is just so out there. It's pretty yeah. wild. I, I like it. I didn't realize it was even hard. I didn't know that it all stemmed from one person, very uncredibly, yeah. <laughs> from one person. And then 
in like the seventies, more people kind of ran with it in their yeah. stories where they didn't go to prove any of it, and they dramatized it and made it even more interesting. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. I think it makes such a compelling story that that's why it just took off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people people fusing to metal and you know ships disappearing. It it it, it, it would make a great movie, and so yes. it did. And so yeah, yeah I think that was well. The, it may not be thing. great, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should all watch it and then we can report back. No, we can live tweet it together. Let's have, let's have, a, let's have a watch party. <laughs> yeah, have a watch party. All of us can watch it on Discord. Oh, that movie looks like a dream come true. It looks like so much fun. It also looks really long. Okay. Well, it looks long because the trailer is like three and a half minutes. Yeah. yeah but by the time you finish it, you think you've already probably seen the whole movie. Yeah, but the main character is a dream boat. Okay, <laughs> sure. Let's watch it. But also, like the uh, the trailer, it looked like the woman's voice had been dubbed over by another woman. It was really weird. Oh, their voices did too. I think they had to redub their voices for the trailer, maybe or something. Mm. It's bizarre, bizarre, just like the Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> get the vase. I'll get the vase. I even brought it closer. Do you want me to get that vase right there? I guess. Okay. Wait. <laughs> I got it. Are you guys ready? And we thanks again to everybody who submitted topics this week. Yeah. Next week, oh, we are talking uh, one, about... One just launched out of the thing. Oh, we are talking about... Alien Encounters. Oh. It's been a while since we've done Aliens, you guys. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. So, you guys, we're going to talk about Aliens next week. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we get off here and I go eat some ice cream? Mm. Uh, me too. What kind of ice cream are you going to eat, James? I'm going to eat uh, Americone Dream. Oh, oh, nice. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. No, it's not as good as mint chocolate chip. Okay. Let's be all right. Oh, let's, let's get the what? generic options off the table. All right, you guys. All right. Let's, <laughs> listen, I don't want to fight with you, James. So we're going to we're gonna say peace to everybody tonight. <laughs> so... Until next, oh wait, Alex, who does our music? Who does our, our music? Our music is great. It's by Great Cook. It's on Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, iTunes, anywhere you want to listen to your music. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to send us any topic suggestions, please do so. You can do so at thirteenthfloorpodcast.com or on Instagram, or email us thirteenthfloorpodcast at gmail dot com. All right, you guys. Until next time, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. Toto, doesn't look like we're in Philadelphia anymore. <laughs>